back in Paris, Mr. Cruz? I'm always happiest flying, I told him truthfully, for I was born in the air, and it was more home to me than Earth. Well then, I wish I were back in Paris, Mr. Domville said, and gave me one of his rare grins. Of all the crew, he was my favorite. Granted, there was little competition from the hot-tempered captain and his stodgy, surly officers, but Mr. Domville was cut from different cloth. He was a soft-spoken, bookish man, quite frail-looking, really. His spectacles would not stay up on his nose, so he was in the habit of tilting his head higher to see. He had a dry cough, which I put down to all the smoke in the control car. I liked watching his hands fly across the charts, nimbly manipulating rulers and dividers. His skill gave me a new respect for the navigator's job, which, until now, I'd never taken much interest in. It was not flying. I wanted to pilot the ship, not scribble her movements on a scrap of paper. But while working with Mr. Domville, I'd finally realized there could be no destination without a navigator to set and chart a course. I did feel sorry for him, serving aboard the Flotsam. It was a wreck of a cargo ship, running freight over Europa and the Orient. I wondered why Mr. Domville didn't seek out a better position. Luckily, I only had to endure it for five more days. All the first-year students at the Airship Academy had been shipped out on two-week training tours to study navigation. Some shipped on luxury liners, some on mail packets, some on barges and tugs. I'd had the misfortune of being placed on the flotsam. The ship looked like it hadn't been refitted since the flood, and it smelled like Noah's old boot. The crew's quarters were little more than hammocks slung alongside the keel catwalk, where your sleep was soured by the stench of oil and aruba fuel. The hull looked like it had been patched with everything, including cast-off trousers. The engines rattled. The food quite simply defied comprehension. Slopped onto the plate by the cook's rusty ladle, it looked like something that had already been chewed and rejected. Think of this. As a character-building experience, Mr. Domville had told me at the first meal. Why the illustrious academy used the flotsam as a training vessel, I couldn't guess, unless they wanted to teach their students how to mutiny. Captain Tritus, I'm sure, was glad of the fee the academy paid to place me on board. For a heap like the flotsam, it might have made the difference between having enough fuel or not. It made me long for the aurora the airship liner where I used to work before starting my studies at the academy. Now there was a ship, and Captain Walken knew how to run it, and take care of his crew. When I looked out the window again, I wished I hadn't. We'd been making for the storm's southern flank, but now it seemed to be moving with us, spinning out its dark tendrils. I looked at Captain Tritus, waiting for him to change our heading. He said nothing. Have you ever flown through the fist? I asked Mr. Domville in a whisper. He held up a single finger. We were very lucky. He coughed and seemed to have trouble stopping, so I uncorked the canteen hanging from the chart table and poured him a cup of water. He didn't look at all well. Thank you. The control car was suddenly dark as clouds engulfed us. Mr. Curtis quickly switched on the interior lights which did little more than illuminate the instruments and gauges, making skulls of the crew's faces. All engines at full, Captain Tritus ordered. We'll punch through shortly. 
Hold her steady, Mr. Beatty, he told the helmsman. This was a tall order, as the wind was battering us from all sides. The control car darkened further. Rain lashed against the windows. Someone switched on the wipers, which only smeared water across the glass. The lamp over the chart table swung crazily. Speed? Forty-three aeronauts, sir, replied Mr. Curtis. We should do better than that with engines at full. Not against these headwinds, sir. All around us were the unfriendliest clouds I'd ever seen, mottled gray and black, fuming. They looked so dense it seemed a miracle we were not already shattered against their bulk. Without warning, the flotsam dropped, and my feet nearly left the floor. I grabbed the table's edge. Crew staggered off balance. Mr. Schultz was thrown off the elevator wheel, and for a moment it spun unattended before he and Mr. Curtis launched themselves atop it and fought to level off the ship.